listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello, all my listeners, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another installment of the Top Music Guitar Podcast. I've got a real treat for you guys today, a musical entrepreneur, business owner, someone who is doing wonderful things in the online and offline spaces, probably the owner of the coolest music school I have ever witnessed and hopefully (laughs) will one day get to visit when international travel opens back up, and that is Mike Grande. Well, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Can you give the listeners a brief overview of your story so far? far and your journey, obviously transitioning from a guitar teacher to a music school owner to making your own online platform and you know, and everything in between. Gotcha. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm a big fan of the top music and Tim Topham. Tim Topham, go, we go back a while and uh, it's great to know that you're part of that and part of his community because he's, he's just awesome. But thanks for having me. So, I mean, I can talk about, you know, my journey for hours and I'll just keep it really as simple and brief as I can. I started to play, you know, playing guitar like 15 years old. And when I started, it turns out that I thought everybody was practicing. And you got to know that with your students. Like you think, oh, my God, everybody's going to be home practicing and kids are going to be putting in eight hours a day. So I literally locked myself in my room and I played between eight and 10 hours every day. I was up at 4 a.m., played till 630. I delivered newspapers to pay for my guitar lessons. And I did that until I was 16. And I realized that nobody practiced at all. And I'm sitting there going, why does everybody stink? Why can't they play guitar? It's because they never practice. So that was my first year. And then by 16 years old, I started teaching. Um, after that, I started to join bands. I was pulled in to be uh, one of the session guitar players at Electric Lady, Jimi Hendrix Studio. Um, I had the, I mean, very once in a lifetime experience to actually record in his bedroom that was converted into a small studio. It was you know, it was a, an amazing time growing up in the uh, the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, you just go in there and you'd be recording and you'd be feeling like Hendrix is like looking over your shoulder, you know. And uh, yeah, so that was my growing up. And then I came out with an album that you can find on iTunes. I was like a Joe Satriani, Steve I guy. So if you're interested in instrumental stuff like that, you can look it up on iTunes. It's called The Dash, or My Dash Between the Numbers. It's a free album. Did that in about 2007. And then my wife proposes to me. And then you're like, oh my God, I got to get a real job and I got to get a dental benefits. And it was like, what do you do? So I said yes to my wife. <laughs> she literally, she proposed to me on her knee with a ring. And uh, to be honest, I said yes, but I didn't think I had to buy her a ring. So like six months later, she's like, when are you going to buy me that ring? I'm like, but that that already happened. I got the ring. So she's like, no, it just doesn't work that way. So uh, so that's what happened. And um, I got a real job in technology. And as I did that, I moved from Brooklyn, New York over to Staten Island. And Staten Island, New York was a little different. So I'm working a full-time job. I took a part-time gig in a music school and they taught horribly. There was no curriculum. It was just an old, outdated method of learning. So I made some calls to my friends in Brooklyn and I said, hey, you want to come out? Or actually my students in Brooklyn, I said, you want to come out here? I'll build a school, I'll finance everything. Just teach the way I taught. Let's see what happens. And that school, we went from location one to two to three to four. We just kept building and building. We grew out of our space and it became really big. And uh, it was called the Staten Island School of Rock. It's still called the Staten Island School of Rock before the whole franchise thing became a thing. And uh, it's still going on today now. It's been 18 years, but I can tell you this, the uh, president, the president, the CEO has been trying to buy us out because Staten Island is the only place on the East Coast, not just in New York, on the East Coast that they cannot get a franchise in because they know they can't compete with us. So he keeps asking me to sell. So when I was moving over to Jersey and I decided to open up a music school there, his lawyers sent me uh, like a, a book of all these reasons why they would sue me if I used anything related to the School of Rock, like New Jersey School of Rock. So I came out with Rock Out Loud in 2017, I think. That's when I started to do it and started to come up with the idea. 
And in 2019, we opened up, I spent $650,000 on this school that's like the Disneyland of school of music schools. And it closes down literally four or five months later to COVID. And it just, everything kind of changed. The whole world changed. But that's my, my quick life story in about, you know, in about two or three minutes. Wow. Uh, such an amazing story so far. And, you know, there's many chapters still to be written. Just quickly, uh, like, this is no joke, a serious impressive music studio so what's the link where people can check out your studio is it rockoutloud.com yeah Yeah, they go to rockoutloud.com we've created a virtual experience you can virtually put your mouse in and take a walk through the school to experience it and i know that you're going to ask some of these questions like the difference between my music schools and a lot of other ones it's the experience like you walk in and we have these motion sensors that that detect a child when they walk walk in that will scream like they're like a round of applause like a screaming crowd and they feel like rock stars and that whole experience starts when they walk in we have smelling devices so it smells like bubble gum for the kids we give away free pop- popcorn for the kids so there's every sense the hearing it's the t- the sense of smell the sense of taste they get the free popcorn they have theater seats Every single room is as the exact facade of what it was like growing up in, in New York City. You have the Bitter End, you have CBGBs, you have Lamaze, all the big clubs back in the East Coast in those days. And then we have the West Coast. So we have the same. So if you Google the Viper Room and you see my Viper Room in Los Angeles, it's the same exact facade, same umbrella, same bricks, same do- everything is the same. So kids come in, it's like you're playing the Viper Room today or you're playing CBGBs, you're going to play the Stone Pony and they're hearing the crowd come and they smell of bubble gum and popcorn is given to them. It's like a real rock star experience, you know, so it's that whole thing. So if you go to the virtual tour, you're going to hear the crowd when you actually virtually walk in, you can walk around the entire space, see the popcorn machine, you can see all the rooms, you can see what it looks like. So that's the idea of why I wanted to build it. I wanted it to be an experience, unlike any other school that's got musical instruments in the front, and then you go to the back storage room, and that's where you take the music lessons. Yeah, and if anyone is listening to this and you're not driving, jump on that website, do that virtual tour. You'll be absolutely blown away. And you can, again, see what is separating uh, Mike and the Rock Out Loud studio from, you know, the average music school or the, the music shop where instruments and lessons are uh, lessons are a second thought to the actual yeah. sales of instruments. So it's truly amazing to see and, you know, uh, something that any music academy owner can just look at that and go, wow. <laughs> so we even went a step further. So we wanted to get the kids the experience of them actually playing a show because it's all about, you know, it's people always used to say, it's like practicing for a basketball game and never having a basketball game. So you really got to put the kids in it. So I flew somebody out, a designer out over to Los Angeles to see the Roxy. The Roxy's got a mo- the most, one of the most beautiful stages I've ever seen. For rock and roll clubs, unlike like CBGBs, it was like filled of piss and urine. It was terrible to play CBGBs because the smell was so bad. But so what we did was we went there. We flew, actually we flew this guy out. He would just, it was a designer because we needed to print out a 13 foot by 11 foot wall to make it three dimensional. So when kids walked in, they would think they're actually walking into a stage. And we have the trusses that that are on top and the uh, curtains, they get smaller. So it's really, it's a three-dimensional feel. So when a kid sits down and they look up, it's as if they're looking up from a stage. It's the most amazing feeling. And these kids absolutely, they absolutely love it. Yeah, this is like next level in terms of customer experience, in terms of layout. And yeah, little visual illusions like that is absolutely amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. And Obviously, you know, $650,000 is a, a big commitment. How did you get to the point where you could invest that much money into, you know, building your dream studio? That's a great question. So saving lots of money, uh, refinancing your, your home. So things that uh, sometimes the wife doesn't want to know about, or you don't want the wife to know about, you know, stuff like that. And uh, saving in my music school on Staten Island was doing well. So that was helping me pay even the rent. I mean, my rent is, is excessive as well, but I knew that if I did it right, I was coming in as a brand new brand. I was coming in as nobody's ever known me before. I was coming into a state that nobody knew me before. I'm a New York guy. I was coming into Jersey with no real credibility that nobody, anybody knew about. So I had to make it uh, that I had to bring it to that extra experience. And, and that's what we did. I mean, we even got this, uh, if anybody's familiar with the Beatles, which I hope they are. Uh, if you ever go to Strawberry Fields in New York City, you see this ginormous picture of, imagine, Strawberry Fields, which is the round um, mosaic that you see. We actually have Strawberry Fields, the guy did ours, sitting in the center of our school. It's impr- implanted into the cement. 
and we have strawberry fields. We want to give those kids that experience to do stuff like that. You know, you got to be creative. You know, you got to wait for, you know, sales to happen for, you know, light fixtures. And it took like two years to come up with all this. And, you know, I went to China for my, for my theater seats. I couldn't afford theater seats. I mean, you had to really stretch those, those numbers. So I imported things from China, which was crazy. You got to wait six or seven months for it. But difference between a theater chair here in New York City is like $600 a seat as opposed to like 80 bucks a seat. So, you know, things like that you had to do between refinancing the house, saving money from my existing job, saving money from my my school rock, just pulling it all together. Yeah, absolutely amazing stuff. And, you know, just doing what you had to out of necessity. Uh, A lot of students, you mentioned creativity, a lot of teachers, sorry, um, are creative types, but they often get like the... uh, the business side of things or the entrepreneurial side of things, you know, mixed up in that, but put it to the backseat because of hangups about money and, and things yes, like that. So yes. what, what, how did you get switched on as a business person and grow that confidence, you know, around money, but also in yourself to back yourself, you know, was talking multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars here to, uh, was it something you always had or something you evolved into? That was a, a, that's a great man. You are like one of the greatest hosts. Tim Topham's got, you know, he's great, but man, you're, you're really great. So it's who you surround yourself with. And a perfect example is my dad is a social, he was a social studies teacher, doctor of education. He became a big guy in the school system, but he was always a guy that had to work for somebody, never an entrepreneur. Um, then I got a, a book, which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And they talked about investing in real estate. And a conversation between my father and I, we we had, which was like a month ago. It's funny you say that. He goes, yeah, I'm reading that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad again. I said, dad, you know which dad you were to me? He goes, no, which one? I said, you're the poor dad. You know, so what I did was I got a job in, um, on Wall Street and I was an IT guy. So what I was doing is really hanging around those brilliant minds. If you listen to any of the conversations, the board meetings, the way these hedge funds really talk to the clients and what they do and how they make money and how they present value in exchange for the money, it's a totally different mindset from being an educator. My dad was that educator. I was the educator. I taught social studies. I taught guitar. I was a teacher. But when you brought yourself into that business finance world, you're learning from, I mean, I'm learning from billionaires, the hedge fund run, people that were running my hedge fund, they had their own planes. It was like totally different world to me. So I wasn't the smartest guy in any of the rooms that I spent my time in. So if there was a board meeting, I'd stick around, even though I had to get the IT stuff taken care of, they just let me sit around and learn. And that was, that was huge for me. So you really need to separate yourself from being a, a teacher and an educator and getting your mind in finance. You know, people like uh, Johnny Wilson of the BAM squad, he'll get you into a businessman mindset, businesswoman mindset. You need to surround yourself with people like that, because if you're just going to focus on your lesson and be a a teacher, you're never really going to excel. You got to work on your business, not in your business. And if you ever want to grow to that point where you want to own your own school, you can't be the teacher. You got to be you got to be the one that's growing it. You know, there's a a lot of books out there like the E-Myth talks about. The guys that are building a house and the manager or the owner of the company, he's not there. He's not building the house. So these guys are building a house and this manager is going from point A to point B to point C. And the guys are like, well, if we're building the house and he's not. Why don't we open up our own company? And they decide to open up their own company. They got a house. They start to build it. Six months later, the guy's like, okay, now when's our next job? But because they never had a manager running the business, finding the next job, figuring it out, out what the next thing is, those guys ended up bankrupt because they focused in their business, not on their business. So that's what you got to do. If you want to get to that business mindset, you cannot be a teacher full-time in my opinion. And people teach full-time and they still run a business. That's great. But you got to separate yourself and get more of that business mindset and get out of that business of teaching. 100%. And, you know, as we evolve as music teachers, uh, and business people, we go through different stages. And stage one is they're often working for someone else in their music school. And then, as you said, stage two is is going out and doing it on your own. The point I was going to make was, as business owners, you have to transcend, obviously, you know, working for someone else as a level one teacher to maybe then going out on your own and, and running a studio. But then you'll find that if you don't transcend to running a business, to learning how to get students, to marketing, to all these kind of things, is then all of a sudden, as you've said, you know, your pipeline of people coming in evaporates and then you either stay on struggle street for an indetermined period of time, maybe forever, or you go back to, you know, working for someone else or you go back to getting a real job. So it is really important that 
as music teachers, you grow and you develop and, and put up your business skills and knowledge so that you can transcend to that, you know, next level of owning, um, running a business with other people coming in, employing people, or even, you know, running a big music school with a number of employees or, you know, franchise options. And, and you just yeah. keep on going higher and higher and higher and play the game at the level that you want. That's exactly right. And just to, to that point, just to give you an example, like there are famous writers who write books. That's their thing is they write books, right? The average book sells 500 copies for every time somebody writes a book. It's what that author does or what that writer does after they write the book. If they don't market it, they're never going to get that paycheck. I mean, they're never going to get a paycheck if they just sell 500 books. So you have to now become a marketer, a businessman. you got to think differently than a writer. It's the same thing with, you know, being a music school teacher. You've just got to think differently. Got to learn, Like you said, you got to learn how to market and run a business after you've just done that thing, which is opening up a music school, bringing in some students. Then you take yourself out. And now you're wearing a totally different hat. That's the only way you're going to survive and grow, like you said. 100%. And, you know, you can be the best guitar player in the world. You can be the best guitar teacher in the world. But if no one knows who you are or what your business is or the fact you even teach lessons, no one can come and do business with you. So, you know, obviously Rock Out Loud, that name just screams volumes. The logo, again, is awesome as all hell. So definitely check it out Thank on you. the website if you haven't already. Are there any particular actions that you found have led to really strong growth in your music school, both as an offline or an online world? Yeah, there's a lot of things. So let's say um, experience. That's the one thing that nobody really um, nobody really does is the experience. You know what I mean? So I'll give you an example. And I'll ask you, is I, I ask this question to everybody. Do you know the difference between a teacher and a coach? I mean, you're, you're a famous guy. You should probably know. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, a teacher just tells you the knowledge, but the coach guides you through how to do it and also pulls you up when you're not doing it correctly and makes sure you're doing it properly. So it's kind of like, gives you the information, but shows you how to implement as opposed to just reading something out of a book and hoping you retain it. Right. So the way I do it in a simple sentence is teachers focus on teaching and coaches focus on the student. And there's a big difference there, right? So when a student walks in, I mean, I've seen it a ton of times. Students walk into our school. These little kids are hugging their teachers, right? So we have to make sure that we've created that connection. Um, there's a lot of people that feel that you have to have great musicians to teach in schools. I don't believe that it's part of being a great school. I think if you can connect to a student, that's going to be the first thing that's going to get them to want to practice and want them to be, you know, musicians and stuff like that. So the first thing is the experience. If you don't give them that, that experience, you're never going to be able to build a school, especially a reputation, because kids are your biggest business card. They'll be telling their mom and their friends and they want birthday parties. You know, they're your, your, they think or you think or they think that you're their best friend. So they don't want to miss the school, uh, you know, that lesson that week. They want to be there. So when you connect to a student, they want to learn. They want to impress you. They want to practice for you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is our teaching methods totally different from everybody else like every one of our rooms we have IMAX and let's say somebody wants to learn how to play a Zeppelin song what we do is we take the guitar out and we give them John Bonham John Paul Jones Robert Plant and backing tracks and we'll take something like Heartbreaker we'll teach them a blues scale we'll slow it down they'll play and they'll be Jimmy Page and in 30 minutes they're playing Led Zeppelin he's like now he's playing like Jimmy Page we do the same thing whether it's Van Halen whoever it is and then what we do is at the very last five minutes of the lesson, we take that file, which is an MP3 file that we've created with GarageBand, we email it to them. And we tell the parents the lessons don't start, stop at the end of that 30 minutes. They start for the remainder of the week because when they go home on their iPad, their iPhone, on their computer, they're able to jam with that lesson that they've done for that 30 minutes. So by the next week, they're playing it like they're actually playing the way Jimmy Page played. So we see progress immediate. It's not, it's like immediate gratification. It's not like you have to sit down and learn how to read. Mary had a little lamb and, you know, see by down by the sea or Mel Bay books. We just give them what they want to learn. That's what coaches do. We really want them to just tell us what they want to learn and we focus on that. So by doing that, there's a lot of things that happen. For example, we teach them their scales, their blue scales. Jimmy Page uses the first blue scale in A. So they're learning a blue scale. And then what we do is we kind of incorporate Jimmy Page calling us up and saying, hey, I want to write a, a cool song. And we give them that advice. Say, Jimmy, you play an A major, and then add that E flat there. And then you, you got your A blue scale in. And then we tell the kids, you could do the same thing. And then when they see that they're playing like Jimmy Page or, or Eddie Van Halen at a very simple level, it's like, holy mackerel. Then we take them into our band room. 
The teacher's got to play every instrument, especially drums. So the kid will play the guitar. The kid will sit there on their guitar while playing with the drum teacher or the guitar teacher who's playing drums. And they're playing on stage for the first time. So the parents are like, holy cow. It's in 30 minutes. They're learning their favorite uh, songs. They're learning how to play with a drummer. They're playing in time. This kid could join a band already. So it's that immediate grat gratification. And we really feel strongly about, you know, doing that on day one. Not you got to spend six months with six months with us, Tom. And this way you'll be able to play this when you're, you know, 19 years old. Who wants to do that? Right. That's what we do different. Oh, that, that just sounds, you know, so amazingly different to the standard guitar lesson where the student comes in, the teacher goes, oh, what do you, what do you uh, feel like learning this week, Jimmy? And Jimmy goes, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll learn this. He goes, well, why don't you warm up with what you did last week? And that's code word for I've got no idea what we did last week. You warm up with that while I figure out what we're going to do this week. Like that is like night and day. And you can see why you're having you know, such an impact on your students with all these wonderful opportunities and experiences, the key word there, the experiences that you're creating for them. And it goes further than that. So check this out. We do this. Um, we play really big shows. Like we're playing the Stone Pony, which was where, you know, Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, they all played there. We're also playing The Bitter End in New York City. I'm really friendly with the owners there. So we're playing that show. And this is a major New York City bar where Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift started. And Bob Dylan started. Chuck Berry started. Springsteen. So I'm bringing our students there. They're going to sign the same walls as Taylor Swift and Bon Jovi. So what we do to prepare them for these is part of what our lesson structures are every single week. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we're going to be doing a song, whatever that song is. I'll pick uh, Running With The Devil by uh, Van Halen. So we'll have the bass player learning with that bass teacher. That and we'll have them practicing with the backing tracks, send them. Then we'll have Eddie Van Halen's, you know, that D to E chord. We'll teach that on for the guitar student. The guitar student will play it over the Michael Anthony part and the Alex Van Halen part. And then what we'll do is for the voice, we just send tracks out without David Lee Roth and we teach the, the students how to sing. And we do that over the course of their lesson time. And after, say, a month or two, we call it five or six weeks, we get all of these kids on a stage for the first time. They're playing exactly to the same tracks as they've been playing for the past five weeks. They get on stage and they sound like the band. It's amazing. Kids who have been playing for six months are playing Van Halen or Zeppelin or the Foo Fighters or Green Day because we've trained them to practice over the course of the week with these backing tracks. They already know what the sense of timing is. They already know what they're supposed to sound like and they're going to know where the parts are and the arrangement is. So you put them on stage and they're literally playing over what they've been doing. And if they go from the lesson room to the stage like in New York City and they're playing for the first time after six months it blows, the, it blows them away. The confidence, the parents are like, holy cow. And if they could do that to 300, 400 people going in front of a class to do a book report of 30 people is like, that's a no, that's no big deal. It's a no brain. I could do that in a second. You know, it builds their confidence, their self-esteem and the, and the parents, they see that through their music lesson. We don't have to tell them that this is what they're going to get out of it. They're going to see that on their very first show. It's an amazing experience. Yeah, that, that is truly amazing and truly wonderful. And, you know, we as music teachers often neglect or, or don't even comprehend the impact that we can have on the lives of our students in terms of yeah. giving them that confidence, in terms of giving them a hobby or an opportunity that they otherwise wouldn't have. But it sounds like you're just doing absolutely terrific things that go beyond a simple music lesson and, you know, are creating these life experiences for the students and the communities around them. So, yeah, uh, nothing to say other than that is truly remarkable what you're doing there, Mike. But, you know, I, I tell this to everybody. My music school is owned by me, but it really is represented by my coaches. If you have a music school, whether it's one person or 10 people or 100 people, it's very important to connect with them weekly or biweekly as a group individually. You got to really connect with them and make sure that they're on that same um, I, I call it the bus. Like they have to have that seat on the bus. If they don't see your vision, those are the people that you don't want to be around because those are the people that are going to make the other ones distracted. So I would really encourage you, if you do own a school, be in the middle of it where you have these weekly or biweekly meetings. That's really going to be the success because you can continue what you're doing the way you vision it with 20, 30 people, as long as they see your vision. If you're not explaining and coaching them and letting them know what you expect, they're never going to get it. So you just can't open a school and say, this is the way we're going to teach guys. You really got to be playing a very big role in coaching them. Yeah. And would you say it's just as important to 
train your coaches as it is to train your students. 100%. We have the sixes. So each of us in my, all my schools, we have the sixes. I have a set of sixes. The office, office managers got a set of sixes. And the teachers have a set of sixes, which are basically what they have to do. They have to use, they have to come in 15 minutes early. They have to use GarageBand. They have to make these emails presentable to the parents. They have to write their, their lesson notes and my music staff. So they have their sixes. I have my sixes. Everybody plays their role. It's going to be a real smooth, smooth, smooth run as far as your music lessons go. Awesome. So maybe expand on these sixes. Are they like six values or six activities they have to do? Or is it like a yep. guiding it's, principles? This is a crazy story and how I came up with the sixes. I went to see a show for the first, this was, it's called a decade ago. I went to see a show that was being presented by my school on Staten Island. And the person who I just basically made the office manager put on the show. The show was four and a half hours for 28 students. It was one student for four of the teachers playing and accompanying them on stage. And I ripped my hair out and I said, this is exactly that something that I've never wanted to do. I always wanted kids to perform with kids, to be able to connect with other kids and perform on stage. And this guy said, that'll never happen. It will never happen. It will never work. And I spent the entire night coming up with my sixes. I called a band meeting that next, it was a Thursday, and I took my checkbook and I said to everybody, it was eight, eight or nine of my teachers at the school. I said, okay, I am going to offer everybody, each one, $5,000 if they quit tonight. No questions asked. I'm going to write a check for $5,000 if you quit, because this is something I think is really important. So if you're not happy, if you want to leave, you want to find another job, fine, let me give you 5,000 bucks. Raise your hand if you want 5,000 bucks. No questions asked. Here's 5,000 bucks, but that's it. I want you to quit. Nobody raised their hands. Then I took my sixes out. And my sixes, like I said, is show up 15 minutes on early. Make sure that your computer is set up and ready for your lesson. Pull up GarageBand. Make sure you do your student notes. Select those notes at the end of your... You know, this way, if you want to go on tour, if you're out next week, your substitute coach will be able to look at those notes and carry on that lesson. It's important for your students. When I made them understand that this is not about my school, it's about their students, then I was, that was the, the, the turning point, right? So I, after I handed them the six, I asked them to read it. I said, now, these are my expectations. If you're not going to follow these expectations, I'll give you a $5,000 check right now. I came there and I remember I had a credit card that I had put, that I had the cash advance ready, that I was ready to put in the bank if I was supposed, if I was going to write out those checks. I was ready to, to give out like $40,000 in cash that day. Eight teachers and that was the thing. And not a single teacher took that check. And I said, by not taking this check means I'm going to hold you accountable. So if you don't follow this in one week, you're out of here with no 5,000 bucks. And I lost about three coaches after that because they didn't follow those expectations. And then what I do is I found the people that sit on my bus, which are the people that understand that it's important for the student that they get those notes. It's important for the student that they get those emails with the MP3s. It's important for the parents to get those lesson notes. It's important to show up on time because you're showing your students how important it is to be on time as an adult. These are all the characteristics that we want to implore on our students. And after I did that, then I started hiring people that I knew would fit. So those sixes became something that we leather bound. It's in all my, or two of my schools. Everybody reads them. Everybody's on board with them. I review them at least once a month with all the coaches. So they know what those expectations are. I think every single school needs to have what their coach, what their leader, what their business manager, whatever it is, they have to know what your expectations are because they can't read your mind and you can't expect anybody to read your mind and know what you're thinking. These sixes are exactly what I'm thinking all the time because it all comes down to the student. If they don't want to do it, that means that they're selfish. They don't want to do it for the student. They're doing it for other reasons. And that really bothers me. To me, it's all about the student. I don't care about me. I don't care about the rent. I don't care about the electricity. I care about that student. And that's my one focus. And that's their focus. It's not going to share that same uh, kind of mission that I don't want to be part of the school. Absolutely terrific stuff, guys. If you're listening at home, rewind that and write down almost every word that Mike just said. If you plan on running a business, if you plan on having employees, because that is absolute gold right there. Thank you, Mike, for sharing that. It's a pleasure. Now, we've talked a lot about your music school and running a business, but that's only one of the very many things that you do. And, and to sort of segue this, I know you sort of struggled with uh, COVID and obviously investing heaps of money into this business and then probably uh, where you are in the world being told that you can't operate for a couple of months. So, 
How did you handle that and what opportunities did that open up for you? So that kind of brings into the Rock Out Loud Live Inception, which people think that I came out with that for COVID, which was not, not the case. In 2017 in Staten Island, we had a crazy amount of snow in New York City. And we closed down our school for about three or four weeks for that winter in 2017. And we had makeup lessons that went the six months and it was crazy. We couldn't get new students because we were filling those makeup lessons in with those empty slots. And I said, there's got to be a way. And Rock Out Loud Live was born at that time in August 2017. And I started to develop it. I was pretty much almost done when we opened up my music school here, which was November the 2nd, 2019. So I kind of put that on hold while building out the school. Five months later, we closed, at which point I decided to pivot and say, you know what, if I can't do that, Zoom is just terrible. I'm just going to go back and finish and finalize Rock Out Loud Live and see what happens. And which is exactly what I did. So Rock Out Loud Live was launched July 4th. In fact, Tim Topham was the first podcast that actually launched it in uh, 2000, 2020. So yeah, that was something that really kind of took off and it supplemented my income because we closed my schools um, in Staten Island and we closed my schools over in New Jersey. So at that time, that was supplementing my income. I still had my refinance in my home that I was paying my, my teachers. I sold my cars so I could pay my coaches. I didn't want anybody taking unemployment. I thought that was really, really important. Families were panicking. So we decided to give anybody and everybody all over the world free music lessons that I still paid my coaches for. We had people from all over the world taking lessons with our coaches. Um, so Jersey was brand new. My new school was brand new. They didn't know my character. They they didn't know my business ethics. So I said, I'm going to give everybody back their money. We're going to just do everything virtual. I'm not going to charge anybody until we open back up. And we had 60 or 70 students. And I did that. And by selling my car, paid the rent. Now, the folks over on Staten Island in New York, we would probably virtual with everybody, but we only lost about 100 people and we had about 150 still coming virtually. So what I decided to do was buy every single family in, the, in New York City that was coming to us for lessons and canceled because of COVID. We bought them pizza and I wanted to, to and I said this, I think on Tim Topham's podcast, I wanted to support my community by the pizza, pizza people, the delivery people. We, we actually gave them instead of the the typical three or $4 for a tip. We gave them like seven or $8 for a tip because we knew they had to pay for gas as well and they didn't have that money. We fed every one of those families and in six months we managed to feed almost 250 families. So we really, really gave back. And all I, I really feel like everything you give out to the universe, the universe just gives back. I mean, that's not my incentive. It's just, that's just my 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 DNA. I just love helping people. If someone calls me up and, and has a challenge, I'm there to help and then, just coincidentally, the universe says thank you and says, here's something new that I'll, I'll put on your plate. So Rock Out Loud Live now is in, um, it's in 156 countries. And I'll tell you, this is a, I just announced this today. We're discontinuing our free version. We just can't keep up with all those free subscribers because those free subscribers, somebody's got to pay for their bandwidth and their set servers and their security. And they're, you know, it, it's coming on our back, which is my back, Rock Out Loud Live. So we're going to discontinue all the free subscriptions for Rock Out Loud Live. We'll give you a 10-day free trial, and then you can join. You can just, you know, go to any of these other music platforms that have been built, which there have been great ones that are out there, so much better than Zoom. So that's something that they could do. But uh, Rock Out Loud Live, we're hosting about 40,000 lessons every single week. And uh, between that and the free versions and the subscribers and support, we support 156 countries. It's not easy. So you got to you know deal with different time zones, especially if it's in New Zealand or Australia. So there's times I'm up at 6 a.m. and I'm done at maybe 9 or 10 p.m. at night, just making sure people can you know get acclimated. We do onboarding. So if people are a rock out loud live, rock out loud live user, I can get them on board. I can help them with their students, their sound cards, their issues. So it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. I've met a lot of great people like Tim and yourself and Johnny Wilson and the gang. So you know those are the things that um, that, that those are the benefits I guess I got from Rock Out Loud Live. And uh, that's what I did with the pandemic. So I guess, you know, pivoting was the most important part. If I was just a music teacher and not somebody that thought on their business and worked in their business, I probably wouldn't have been able to have that psychology to, to pivot at that point. Yeah, uh, amazing stuff. And it's one of those things where obviously, you know, giving such a heartwarming story to, to hear that you can give back to the community. And 
I'm a firm believer of the more you put out, the more good vibes that you send out to the universe, the more stuff that comes back. And obviously by looking after everyone, hopefully, you know, that's yeah. coming uh, coming back to you now. And if not, we'll continue to do so. Um, apart from the obvious being made by musicians for musicians and music teachers uh, with Rock Out Loud Live, what are some of the other features which differentiate it from Skype or Zoom or all these other sort of, uh, you know, business call kind of things which are just, you know, used because they're the most well-known options? So that's a great question. And to answer that, we are the only platform that is patented by the United States. So people have said, oh, they're using this other, they're using general technology. We're really, really not. And if we were, the United States would not have patented Rock Out Loud Live. So what we've done is we've been able to do full duplex, high definition, just rehearsals, high definition music lessons. And the key here is that we are able to capture the entire total range of any instrument. So we have people that are playing flute or violin, like the strings over in the British Philharmonic, they use our platform. We have celloists who use our platform because you can't capture those low notes on a cello on, on Zoom or Skype because it just cuts out. So what they've done and most platforms do is they have this cancellation on certain frequencies. So a violin or a flute cannot get picked up when you're playing those higher registers. We actually capture them. We don't have those. We have a straight, clean feed that connects to an independent server. We have this thing called enhanced audio recognition. So you have full duplex. You have no cutting out, no compression, and we have the lowest latency possible. And the way we do this is any any platform that offers recording, and that's the one thing we don't offer, we don't offer recording, but any platform that offers recording could not possibly offer the lowest amount of latency. And it's simple re reasoning is because you offer a recording, that means you have to connect to a media server in the center of the connection. So you're connected to a media server, I'm connected to a media server, it captures that, and then it records it. Even if you're not gonna record it, it still goes through a media server because if you hit record, it's gotta capture it at that point. With Rock Out Loud Live, we use peer-to-peer -peer technology. So my computer will attach directly to your computer. It eliminates that middleman of that media server. And we've reduced the latency by two times. So if Zoom is at 250 milliseconds, we've gotten people who are within a 25 to 50 mile radius that are getting about 15 milliseconds of delay, which is like 1 18th of a second. So it's so negligible. Like if you play something like jazz or pop, or if you want to just strum along, you don't hear any delay. But if you're going to play with a metronome, you're absolutely going to hear the delay, the latency, but we offer the lowest amount of latency. So I challenge anybody, and we've actually given you the ability to check the statistics of the latency so you can measure it from you and your student's device. We're the only person that does that because I think we're the only people that can prove that we are the lowest amount of latency. Because latency is in general about 250 milliseconds. We've gotten that into the teens. I don't think anybody's been able to do that. Amazing stuff. And I guess one of the biggest frustrations I've gotten, you know, countless other music teachers is the fact that when you want to teach a lesson, a big part of that is the personal contact and jamming and interacting with your student. And yeah. obviously Zoom can only do so much. And a lot of teachers were just, you know, throwing their hands up in the air and going, oh, I quit. I'm going to come back to teaching in a couple of months because they couldn't handle that yeah. delay. So Rock Out Loud's obviously the closest you can get to perfection in terms of a, a solution to that. Right. And it's also and th that's the thing people say, well, it's a phase because after COVID, it's going to be, you know, back in person. But I've in my own schools, I've now made it where it's the only way to do a makeup lesson. If it ever rains or snows or whatever it is, I'm now able to go pivot immediately online to our virtual platform. So it's like an insurance policy of like nine dollars and ninety five cents a month. So if you have somebody that's parents car broke down have to go drive mom or dad to the doctor or because the brother and sisters got soccer and they have no ride there you can do a virtual lesson now so there's so many more opportunities you have so you don't have to make up lessons you don't have to reschedule anymore you can still keep those students when they go away to college when they're away in the summertime and they're on vacation they could use their phone to still take those lessons so it's a, it's a supplemental way of maintaining your clientele when they're not available i think it's a great option too and it's made for music schools, you know? So it's just a win-win. That's how I feel. For nine bucks or $9.95 a month, it's really, it's a no-brainer just to keep the momentum of a music lesson week to week. Not to mention, which I believe there'll be a shift towards more people going, oh, hang on, this online lesson stuff was kind of a lot more convenient than yeah. driving to a location or going to a student's house or having them come to me. 
why don't I just become an online teacher? So for anyone listening, if you are transitioning into the online teaching space, definitely check out Rock Out Loud and see how it can help you, uh, you know, run better uh, teaching business. And of course, we are going to see a flooding of people to this online market and things becoming competitive. So being able to stand out as a Rock Out Loud teacher with a better platform, it you know, might be the difference between you and another teacher who they go to who uses Zoom. So definitely something That's exactly. I Let me tell you, that you hit it right on the head. When a parent sees music, you know, notation right there because we have uh, the ability to pull up sheet music and we have chords there and you can do the whiteboard with the, with the staff and you could teach the circle of fifths and all that stuff. When a parent sees the value that a coach or a teacher is presented to their child and it's not just a Zoom platform that they use at home to business meetings and they see that that investment was done to add value, it's a totally different vision as when some Somebody says, oh, yeah, just let's join a Zoom call because kids are now associating Zoom with school and the academics and they're just tired of it. But when they have a whole new platform where it's, hey, are you ready to rock out loud? That kid is like, yeah, I'm ready to rock out loud. Let's do this. You know, it's just a totally different shift. And that's what I found with a lot of coaches and teachers that are using our platform now. Amazing stuff. And yeah, I I think the biggest Biggest hurdle we faced, the longer the pandemic went on, the more people that just got screen fatigue and were like, yeah, yeah I've just done like nine hours of work or six hours of school on Zoom. The last thing I want to do is drag that negative energy into my guitar lesson. And that was like yeah. a real thing. So to give them something exciting or refreshing or to have specific tools, which are, and I love Zoom simply because I reckon using the whiteboard feature is a lot easier than trying to draw stuff on a whiteboard in you know an actual lesson. So there's some yeah. things like that which are handy, but to have some extra tools made by musicians for musicians or music teachers for music teachers, it just makes things so much easier. Yeah, it is. So that is obviously a, a really, really cool venture. I noticed recently you also made a foray into getting a product out there in your chord cards. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, you know, you're the first person to ask this question. Uh, this was something I came out with about seven or eight years ago, and somebody said it will never work. My son was like, you know, we should do something on Amazon. And I'm like, what do you think? He goes, well, let's make these index cards. I'm like, oh, I did that already. He goes, you know, Amazon's the thing these days. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll give it a shot. And I'm actually retiring from IT March 31st, which is in literally two and a half weeks, you know. So this was probably in October and he was mentioning this to me. And as an entrepreneur, as as an independent business owner, you got to think about medical benefits. And that is terrible, especially in the States. It's like two or three thousand bucks a month just for medical benefits, which I'm losing because now I don't have medical benefits at my job. So I said, you know what? I got to figure out how to make an additional 2000 bucks a month now. And I said, let's try these court cards. So I went out to Michael's, which is a local, um, it's like one of these stores, that, you know, an arts and crafts type store. And they have this thing called the Cricut. And the Cricut actually takes templates and you can carve them out from plastic. So I said, you know, let me take it, create a template of a fretboard, the first three frets, see if I can get those frets cut out perfectly and see if it fits on a guitar. And if I can play with that particular card between the strings and the fretboard, play a chord and that chord can ring out, man, that's something no one's been able to do because you can finger that chord while looking at those particular notes. And then after you're comfortable, slip that card out, man, that's That's brilliant because people look at a card, put it down, they forget where their fingers go and they don't even know if they're playing it right. So I put that up and I sold out the first week of being on Amazon. I'm on Amazon, I'm on Etsy, I'm on eBay, I'm on uh, Facebook Marketplace. I sold out on every one of them. So now I'm like, shit, I gotta get more of these. So I've ordered thousands of these card cards. I sell enough now to cover my medical insurance. So come April, I'm going to have enough money now to not worry about medical insurance. It will be all paid for my card cords. That was the really the reason why I did it. And again, if, if you're put in a corner, you can either pivot or just cave in and say, you know what, I can't do it. Um, that's the key to success, man. There's, there's two options. It's either you do it or you just give up. I'm not an I give up guy. I'm an I do it guy. That's why Rock Out Loud came to fruition in my music schools. And that's why I've developed card cords is because I had to figure it out. So when you backs up against the wall, all you folks that are not sure if you want to jump off and stop doing that day-to-day Monday through Friday gig and you want to do your own do your own business, open up your own music school, when your back is up against the wall, all of a sudden your mind thinks of different things. My mind would have never came across this card cord thing. I mean, 2000 bucks a month, if you do the math, it's $24,000 a year 
although I'm not really making it because I'm giving it to an insurance company, that's $24,000 a year still. So, you know, again, when your back's up against the wall, that's when you can either really shine or you can just throw your hands up and quit. I don't, I don't go with the quit thing. That's hopefully a word of encouragement to some folks. Uh, I really like what you said there in terms of, hey, I need another extra two to $3,000. What do I need to do to get that coming in? And that's obviously yeah. something, if you're listening to this and, and you're often finding yourself in hard pinches, is, is not just throwing your arms up in the air and giving up, like you said, but asking yourself the right question. What do I need to do to make this extra you know, source of income or how do I go about it? And by asking yourself those questions, you know, you come up with answers. And luckily for you, you already had the answer from, you know, a couple of years ago. And I think the simplicity, so many people would be going, oh man, cord cards, I had that idea. But the difference is you went out and done it and yeah. and you took the action and you got the result. And now, you know, you've covered that, you know, $24,000 is not an insignificant amount of money. Like when you're making millions, it's, it's a small amount, but a lot of people listening to this podcast would be lucky to earn, you know, $24,000 a year annually from teaching and most likely would also be, you know, working a day job on the side. So guys, you've got to take action. If you've got a great idea and you believe in it, go for it. Any tips you could share in terms of how to identify what is a good opportunity and should be worth investing time into versus, you know, little distractions you create for yourself because, you know, musicians are super creative. We go in a thousand different directions at once. What's allowed you to sort of, you know, focus on the important stuff while ignoring the less important things? You know, that, when I read that question, it reminded me of a famous joke. And that joke you might have heard of. And this is the way I live my life. This is my blueprint. And that is, there is a guy who's stranded in the middle of the ocean and he's on a little uh, tube and he's waiting for God to rescue him. So a, a guy comes up in a boat and says, Hey, jump on the boat. He goes, Nope, sorry, I'm waiting for God to rescue me. Then a helicopter comes and the helicopter drops like, Jump on. Nope, I'm waiting for God to rescue me. And then somebody else comes in and he's like a surfer or whatever it is. And he says, You know, I, I, I'll be called Coast God. And the Coast God comes. And the Coast Guard says, okay, jump on. I'm going to save you. He goes, nope, I'm waiting for God to save me. The guy dies. He goes to heaven and he goes up to God. He goes, God, you never saved me. He goes, I sent you the Coast Guard. I sent you a helicopter. I sent you a ship. And I live my life that way because every time something comes up, like my son says to me, we should start something on Amazon. That's when I said, all right, I got to do it. Or somebody said, you should open up a music school. I think that's a good idea. Well, I'm going to go do it. Maybe a virtual platform is a good idea. You know what? That's probably a good idea. I take every single thing that I, I, I really feel that the universe throws at me and I give it a shot. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I don't spend that much time. If it doesn't work, I'll exhaust everything. I, I really feel like I can. But when something happens, you never know if it's the universe saying, this was the thing. So if you meet whoever it is, whether it's the universe or God or whatever it is, they might say to you, I gave you all these opportunities. You just never took them. You know, that's why I, I live my life by every single time. So if you mention something to me, I might be like, I might just mention something. Maybe I should try that. That's the way I just live my life. That's so there's no good or bad idea. It's what you do with the idea. So I might not be talented enough to take it to that next level, but I'm certainly going to try. That's the way I live it. Mike, I am conscious of, of your time and don't want to go too far over. And what you've just said there is absolutely amazing stuff that every single person can learn from. So my final question for you, if you could impart one final piece of wisdom upon guitar players, music teachers, music business owners, what would that be? You know, I, I always say to people, it's not how great you are as a musician. Like I used to say that Eddie Van Halen would probably do a really terrible job teaching here. You got to connect to your kids. You know, I say this to so many my, my coaches. When you see a child, you get to their eye level, look them in the eye. There's a big difference between standing up and looking down to them. These little things mean a whole lot to a kid. And I'll leave you at this. I, I taught hundreds and hundreds of kids growing up. And when Facebook came out 20 years ago, I was bombarded with all these messages from people who found me. Teacher, kids who became cops or lawyers, attorneys, firemen, police, everything. They would reach out to me. Oh, Mike, how are you? And I'm, my first question is, do you still play guitar? They're like, no, I haven't played since I've seen you 20 years ago. And I said, well, are you kidding me? They're like, Mike, it wasn't about the guitar. It's the way you made me feel. And, you know, that's that, that to me was the biggest 
takeaway. So if any teachers are out there, you want to start your own business, if you cannot connect to your, your kids, if your students don't connect with their teachers under your business, you're never going to make it. You know, you might have a couple that stay around, but they're not going to stay around long enough. But if you really want to make a difference, you're going to have to connect to that child, whether it's, you know, scooping down on your knees, just looking them in their eyes and, you know, just asking them how they're doing. You know, if they look like they're sad, be the guy that cheers them up, whether it's changing the song because they're having a little bit of a trouble with it, you know, just making making them get those wins. That's the key to, to teaching. I think that's the key to life, by the way. So as long as you can add value to that person, it's not so much about anything else, whether money's exchanging or not, or if it's somebody coming to your student, you add that value. And that goes a long way with any business you're in. Mike, thank you so much for sharing you know, a wealth of advice in that last statement alone, let alone every other gold nugget you've dropped in this podcast. I appreciate you coming on, sharing everything you've spoken about. I appreciate the fact that you're contributing to the embedment of people's lives through music, through Rock Out Loud, through the Stanton Island School of Rock, uh, your online platforms, your cards. Everything you're doing is amazing. And, you know, we want to inspire people with what you're doing to do more wonderful things with music and have that impact on people's lives. So Mike, thank you on behalf of myself, on behalf of top music for coming on this podcast. And guys, if you're listening at home, uh, last thing, Mike, where can they, where can our listeners find you online and follow you and check out what you're doing? You can email me. My personal email is rockoutloud at gmail.com. And if you ever wanted to even connect, I have the option to book some calendar time, even if it's not about Rock Out Loud Live. If you have questions about how to help your music school or how to build your music school, I first and foremost, the band, I, I don't know if that you're part of the BAM squad with Johnny Wilson, but that is life-changing for any school, any school owner, anybody that wants to grow. Contact Johnny Wilson at the BAM Squad. I'm not an affiliate. I just, I work with Johnny for years now. Uh, you want to grow, you know, contact the BAM Squad, but I'd be happy to connect with you. Rockoutloud at gmail.com. If you go to rockoutloud.live, schedule a demo, connect with me, ask me questions. If there's anything I can do to help any of, anybody in your audience, I'd be happy to. All right, guys. So you heard it from the man himself, Mike Grande. Check him out at all the above mentioned links. We'll put those on the webpage as well so you can go and see all the awesome things that he's doing. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Guitar Top Music Guitar Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.